Um, I just wanted to introduce our first guest speaker for the evening. Uh, we're going to have Trey come up in just a second. And can we just give a round of applause in anticipation <laughs> for Trey? Um, does anyone know the Ellis family? Anybody? Have you ever heard of the Ellises? Oh, they're here. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> they're proud of their, their baby boy. Uh, Trey is the first and foremost of the Ellis offspring. Uh, are you the tallest too? Joseph. That must have been a sad day right there when he inched over you. Uh, I'm sure there's no competition in the Ellis Brotherhood whatsoever for that, but uh, uh, I'm really excited about having uh, Trey and Gabby here as our guests. Um, I really feel like God is about to just drop a huge carpet bomb of love on you guys. You know, carpet bomb love. Never thought you'd hear that in the same sentence, but surprise, there it is. Uh, God's about to do something in your brain and in your heart uh, that you didn't know was possible. He's about to shift something in you. Um, he's going to move this week in power. So you guys are going to see what the Holy Spirit does when he's let loose because we've got a bunch of crazies here. Uh, I know Bryson is definitely the craziest of them all. So everyone, just keep your eyes on Bryson. Make sure he doesn't get too crazy this week because I've seen him when he lets loose a little bit. Uh, it's pretty scary. So, But we've got duct tape just in case. So, uh, man, love you guys. All right, here's Trey. Thanks, man. All right, let me get uh, all set up here, get established. <laughs> Love how quiet it is. You can hear this scrolling across the board. Cool. How's everyone doing tonight? You guys doing good? Okay. I'm great. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I tried last minute to sneak in a video clip um, that I thought would be funny, but it is way too last minute. I do have another video clip for you guys. But the one I was thinking, I'll have to show you guys some other time. It's pretty, I think it's really funny. But, yeah, so, okay, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Trey Ellis. I am Pastor CJ's oldest son and Pastor Lisa's oldest son as well. Yeah, so you both get credit. I wanted to give you your own separate shout-out, Mom, but you ruined it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Cool. I am super glad to be here tonight. Um, I have some stuff that I want to share with you guys really fast, but mostly I'm just really excited to get to be a part of your guys' Generation Truth experience. I actually um, got to be a part of the very first one in 2004 in Fort Davis, Texas, and I was 12 years old. Now you guys are doing math and realizing how old I am, but I was at the first one. I was a little kid, and even the year I was thinking about this earlier today, the year before that, we went to West Virginia on a mission trip, and they let me go, and I was 11. I was 11. So I was literally Julia's age. If Julia, if you're in here. Like, that's how long I've been just, you know, a part of this youth group. And that's, uh, so it's had a huge part in my upbringing and just in my relationship with God. And so I'm just really excited to get to be a part of your guys' generation truth. It's pretty, it's pretty, bless you. It's pretty surreal uh, that I get to speak and counsel and just encourage you guys this week. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun, too, because if there's one thing that Generation Truth is, it is a lot of fun. So um, tonight I, will we play, show that first slide? So that is me and my fiance, Gabby, and she's actually sitting up here in the front. Yeah, give it up for Gabby. She's awesome. So super, super pumped. We're getting married in about seven weeks. 
and I am really excited. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about that later on. Um, but for right now, uh, there's something I want to talk to you guys about. But before we do anything, uh, it'd be a huge mistake to not invite Holy Spirit to just do whatever he wants with this. So I'm just going to pray real quick. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and have your way tonight. Holy Spirit, I have things that I have planned to say and, and things that I believe you've put on my heart to communicate and share. But God, if you completely want to change the course of where we go tonight, I am totally okay with that. God, I pray that you would just, you would just come in your glory like you always do. And God, I just, I just, we ask for more of your presence tonight, Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're here this week. It's not just for the fun or the games or the friends. God, we're here because we want an encounter with you. So Holy Spirit, I just, I just pray that you help us to partner with that, whatever that looks like tonight. In Jesus' name. Cool. So what I want to talk about tonight uh, is called How to Win This Week and the Rest of Your Life. Promises a lot, but it's not my promises, so it's a pretty good deal. Um, the things that I'm about to share are going to be really instrumental in helping you get the most out of your Generation Truth experience, right? I'm going to give you three keys to success. And I want you guys to write them down, and you can just write down the keys and then write whatever the Lord tells you about that point. Just, just I, want, I encourage you to go back to it later this week and journal about it. Because I really feel like a lot of you who have the best camp experiences this week, you're going to have in some way tapped into the three keys that I'm going to present tonight. And there, it's nothing revolutionary or, or brand new, but they are things that I've been learning in my walk with God in the past few years, okay? Um. And even though that these are, these are things that the Holy Spirit brought to me while I was preparing this message for camp specifically, these are three things that are not limited to camp alone. These are keys that if you, if you will stick to them and if you will partner with the Holy Spirit to follow these in your regular life, then you will be successful in any realm. Whether that's business, sports, leadership, not just, not just your spiritual life, okay? These are things that are just proven principles they're proven to work if you'll stick to them, okay? Um, and first, I had, I feel like Jesus gave me a word for someone, and I got the color red, and you're wearing a red shirt, and is your name Caleb? That's not a guess. I knew your name was Caleb. Um, will you stand up real quick, Caleb? <laughs> don't want to take any credit that I don't deserve. Um, Caleb, do you have any pain in your left elbow? No. Does left elbow mean anything to you at all? No? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I just, I just saw red and left elbow, but I really believe that this word is for you, okay? So I just saw that you were sitting at home, and you heard that it was free ice cream day at Brahms, okay? And you were with a bunch of friends, and all of your friends were really excited because you guys were about to go to Brahms to just take advantage of free ice cream day. And your friends were taking, like, a spoon or a cup or, like, a bowl, and you took a shovel, because you knew that if there really was free ice cream, then you wanted to get as much as you possibly could, right? Um, and I feel like God is saying that you have friends who, when God says that he paid for everything, when he paid for, for intimacy with you, he paid for a relationship, he paid for healing, you, you have um, seen 
an example in your life that you take a spoon. Your, your um, expectation is that God wants to do a little bit, but God's actually giving you a shovel because he wants you to dive deep into what he has for you. Okay? Does that make sense to you? Awesome. Bless you, Caleb. Bless you. Yeah, and I want that to encourage all of you guys too. Like, actually, a lot of what we receive from God has to do with our expectations. Sometimes we, um, we expect God to do things, but we aren't expecting enough. And we're like, why, why don't we see more? Why don't we see more? It's like, well, pick up a shovel, you know, ex- expect more. God's okay with you expecting more. God will never, you'll never hear God say this. Whoa, whoa, you're expecting way too much of me. I'm just God of the universe. Right? It's okay to expect more. And that's going to make a huge difference in, in your guys' experience here at Generation Truth. Like, some of you guys might have brought a spoon. That's okay. Because for some of you, you don't really know what to expect, right? You're like, well, I want to make some friends. I want to have a good time. You know, and maybe, like, I'll learn something about prayer or something. And that's totally okay because maybe that's all you've ever done before is you've just brought a spoon. You've just brought a little bit of expectation. But right now, the very beginning of camp, I just want to encourage you guys and give you the opportunity to throw out that little spoon and to grab the biggest snowplow shovel you can find because God has a lot for you this week, okay? He's got so much for you. Okay, so write this one down. This is the first, this is the first point to winning this week and the rest of your life. The first point is let it cost you something. Let it cost you something. When you go after something in life, or when you find something that you want, there is always going to be a price tag associated with it. Whether that's money or time or some other resource, it's always going to cost you something to get something you don't have. Does that make sense? Um, so I had this story I have to tell you guys. Um, I recently, well, not recently, like two and a half years ago, I moved to Redding, California to attend ministry school. And when I moved there, I knew a couple people, and like I knew my brother, and he lived in San Francisco, which was three hours away. But for the most part, I really had no friends when I moved into this new town. Not only did I not have any friends, I didn't have any money, or I didn't have a car. I rode a bike everywhere. And so I, all summer long, uh, the first summer I moved there, I worked at a restaurant, and I cleaned tables um, every night. And I, and I would work until like one in the morning, and then I would get home, and everyone, all my roommates would be asleep. I wouldn't have anyone to talk to. And it was just kind of a sad, lonely season for a few months. Uh, not to bum you guys out, but I was just like, it's kind of sad. But one night, something amazing happened. It was about 1 a.m., and I walked into Walmart with my backpack on because that was my, that was my, like, Every, like, since I rode my bike, I had to have a backpack to carry things. So anyways, I go into Walmart, and there's a sale on Powerade. And not just any Powerade, 32-ounce jugs of Powerade. They were 58 cents a piece. And <laughs> I, I was just, like, super excited. I was like, this is the best thing to happen to me all summer. Like, I love Powerade. It's super hot outside. I'm, I brought a snow shovel. You know what I mean? Like, I was ready to take advantage of this awesome deal. So I... um. I decided I'm going to get like six, obviously, because they're 50 cents. And even I can afford that with the, with the budget that I'm rolling in. So I just load up on these huge 32-ounce Powerades. I take them to the cash register. The lady makes some rude comment like, like, wow, really took advantage of this sale or something. And I was like, I was super thirsty, which I thought was kind of funny. 
She didn't laugh. Totally fine. So I have it in these bags, and I go outside, and then I realize I'm on a bike. Not, I don't have a car, and my backpack is full of stuff, like clothes and stuff. So I'm like, no big deal. I will put one bag of the heavy power raids on one handlebar, and then I'll put the other on the other handlebar, and it'll balance out, right? Like, that's just math. So I straddle on the bike, put the power raids on, and it's like 30 pounds of power raid, like, not even joking. <clears throat> and I start, to, I start to make the journey home. And rem- to remind you, it's about 1.30 in the morning by this, by this point. None of my friends are awake or anything. I'm just all alone in this town, just going home. And I don't know what happened, but somewhere on the journey, which was already hard enough, I look like an idiot pedaling with all this power rate, and I'm just like kind of like trying to stay balanced. And all of a sudden, it hits me that I have to use the restroom. Like really bad. Have you ever just immediately had to go? Like one second, you're like, I'm fine. And the next second, you're like, oh, it's an emergency, like right now. I need a bathroom right now. So... I know what you guys are thinking. Well, you're a guy. You can go anywhere. It was number two, okay? Like, listen, there was no redemption here, and everything was closed. There's no gas stations with a bathroom. There was no store. Everything was closed. I was already at the halfway point. So I was halfway between Walmart, the only thing open in the town, or my house. And I was like, I got to make it to my house. So I start pedaling, and it's just grueling. So much so that I had to hop off my bike just so I could walk like this. Just like pinch, like it was bad. And the whole reason I'm just like cursing my decision to buy this much. Who needs this much power aid? Why? Why did I do this? So I, uh, I remember I had this thought. And it was kind of crazy and deep. And it was this. It was that if someone in a future conversation says, Trey, how old were you? The last time you pooped your pants. I'm going to have to say 23 years old. So that motivated me even more to just book it. So I'm running. I'm pinching. And then sometimes I feel good. So I hop on again. And I'm taking off. I'm trying to get. Like I have like a mile left. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? I'm not that thirsty anymore. (laughs) So. I'm running with my bike, and, like, cars are, like, passing me. I sure I look like an idiot. Cars are passing me, and I'm like, this is way too many power raids. The bag rips. One of the bags rips, and three blue power raids go all across the street. And I'm like, forget it. Don't need them. Don't need them. So they're just rolling down the hill. I'm just, like, littering Gatorades. And I finally get to my house. <laughs> And I just, like, throw my bike down, and it just, like, crashes into this tree. And power raids go, <laughs> like, flying everywhere. And I don't know why I did this, but as I was running, I, like, bent over and scooped one up. and started running to the bathroom <laughs> with the power raid. And I made it. I made it. So, and <laughs> thank you. I, I, afterwards, I went back outside and, I, like, collected my things. And the next morning, I woke up and opened the fridge, and there's, like, three blue Powerades just sitting there. And I'm like, forget you guys. So I had Powerade, but guess what? It cost me something, right? (laughs) It cost me some dignity, some pride, 
And actually, three blue power raids is what it cost me, too. I lost those along the journey. Um, that's just a really silly example. I want to give you guys um, more of an example that might hit home with you, especially this week. I want to tell you a story about two different campers, okay? Two campers, both who went to a Generation Truth in the past, and one was named Peter. And Peter, um, he, uh, his parents actually paid for him to go to Generation Truth. They, when they were like, hey, it's time for Generation Truth signups, his parents just signed him up and they paid for the whole thing. So he got to go completely free. And he gets to Generation Truth and um, he has an amazing time. He meets some people. He goes out of his way to talk to people he wouldn't normally talk to, people he didn't already know who weren't in his friend group. He's like, you know what? I'm here. I might as well meet people I don't already know. So he shook some hands. He gave some hugs. He, he sat with people he wasn't familiar with at dinner. And then the first night of worship, he said, you know what? I'm already here, and I spend most of my time kind of going through the motions when it comes to worship. What if this week I just went all out and I just really pursued God as hard as I could? So he was active in worship. He wasn't on his phone. He wasn't looking around to see what his crush was doing. He decided, I'm actually going to worship. I'm actually going to give God all my attention. And he had so much fun. As the week went on, he had tons of fun because he opened up his heart to God. He set his expectation to be big. And he reached out to people, and he made a friend he never thought he would make. Someone who he never would have normally talked to in a normal church setting or school setting, he connected with. And they became like best friends. And they had all these inside jokes. And most importantly, God really encountered Peter. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He received his prayer language. He saw someone who had a hurt ankle. And he prayed for them. And God healed them on the spot. One night, he fell on the ground laughing. And he could not stop laughing. And he didn't even know why. But he just knew that it was, it was God. He knew that it was the Holy Spirit who was encountering him. And... There was a day where it was his turn to clean the kitchen, and he was tired. It was like 8 in the morning. They had just finished breakfast, and he's like, I really don't feel like cleaning the kitchen, but I'm here. How often do I have the opportunity to serve 50 other teenagers? I might as well just do it to my best. So he did, and actually, he took charge of the kitchen cleaning crew. He saw some people who didn't know what to do, and he's like, hey, you guys get those cups. You guys set up those napkins. I'm going to take out the trash. He did the hardest job to set the example, and by the time it was over, he felt really just satisfied and really proud of himself because he pushed on even when he naturally wanted to kind of hang back. Um, Another day, he was going through something, and Peter had struggled with pornography almost all his teen years. And he was so embarrassed because he didn't want anybody to know because he thought if he told someone, especially a leader, that they would they would just shame him and rebuke him and tell him he's not good enough and that that Jesus is angry at him. And he was really, really scared. But he thought, I'm here. There's supposed to be these leaders who love me. And the, these leaders who are the voice of God for me through the week. And, and God says that he's good. And God says that he forgives. So I might as well just tell them and see what happens. So he went to, he went to a male leader 
who he trusted. And he said, hey, I've been struggling with pornography, and I hate it. I want to be free so bad. I'm so tired of doing this because it causes so much shame. I feel like it causes me separation from God. And the leader, believe it or not, didn't actually stone him. He gave him a huge hug. He told him that God forgave him and still had a plan for him, even though he had screwed up over and over and over again. And even though he knew he wasn't supposed to be looking at porn, but he kept doing it and he felt guilty. His leader told him that Jesus actually wanted to take that guilt off of him and that because he believed in Jesus, it wasn't his identity. Being addicted to pornography was not his identity. His identity was actually that he was a saint. His identity is that he's a new creation that Jesus saved when he died on the cross. And when Peter received him into his heart, Jesus took away all his sin. And he told Peter that. And Peter felt a freedom he had never felt before in his entire life. Not only did he feel like God forgave him and he finally felt like that, that relationship was restored, he actually never looked at pornography again the rest of his life. Never once again. Now I want to tell you a story about another camper named Joshua. Joshua paid for camp himself. He saw that camp was around the corner, and he knew that his parents weren't just going to pay for it, and he didn't have money, so he's like, I better mow some lawns, better mow some grass, better sell some candy bars door-to-door. Whatever I need to do, I really want to go to camp because it looks like it's awesome. So he gets to camp. He He worked his butt off all summer making money, and he pays for camp, and he's there, and he's super excited. And his friends, who he always talks to, were there too. And they were like, come on, let's go play volleyball. And he noticed a kid standing by himself who he didn't recognize, but he thought, that kid kind of looks lonely. And his friends were like, talk to him later. Come hang out with us. We're going to play volleyball. And he was like, I'll talk to that kid later. So he goes with his friends, and he has a good time, which obviously there's nothing wrong with that. He was just hanging out with the people that he knew. Um, Worship, it came time for worship, and he's just about to start singing, and then he gets a text. And he looks at his phone, and it says, Susie has a crush on you. Here's the thing. Susie was three seats down from Joshua, and he had had a crush on Susie. So this was like the best news he could ever imagine, right? So he's like excited. He puts his phone away. He can feel the blood rushing to his face. And for the rest of worship, he just thinks about what can I do to get Susie's attention? Uh, There was another time where they told people to come up if they wanted more of God. And he wanted to go up because, after all, he did pay all that money so he could come to camp and experience God. But he saw it was mostly younger people going, someone who hadn't been saved yet, and all his friends were staying. They weren't going up. He's like, you know what? I'll get the next one. I don't need to go up. The next morning, it was his turn to clean up after breakfast. And he was so tired because he had stayed up all night texting Susie. And... He decided, you know what, it's like my turn to clean the dishes uh, for breakfast, but I'm just going to kind of see what I can get away with. I'm going to kind of do the bare minimum. So he saw that there were a few people standing around, not really doing anything, and he thought, well, if they're standing around, then it's okay for me to stand around. So he saw like a plastic bowl, and he threw it away, and he's like, there, I helped. He didn't get in trouble. No one said anything. Joshua also struggled with pornography. 
And there was a night where he could feel the presence of God was in the room so strong. And he felt an invitation to chase after freedom. He felt like he heard God say, you can give up pornography right now. You never have to deal with it again. And he saw some, some people going up to get prayer for all kinds of different things. He saw this guy Peter go up, and he's like, uh, Peter's kind of a try hard. You know what? I, I bet if I told them I was addicted to pornography, they would judge me, and they'd probably kick me out of camp. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to look at it anymore when I get home because I haven't looked at it all this week, and all I'll do, I'll just get home and I'll read my Bible, and I'll be good. I won't look at it anymore. Sad thing about this story is actually Joshua did struggle with porn for a long time after that, and it really affected his relationship with his, with his future wife, and uh, he actually didn't make any new friends that week because he hung out with the same friends he always hung out with. He didn't reach out to anyone. He never really experienced the blessing of serving because he did the bare minimum every time. But both of these guys went to camp. They both set out to experience God. They both wanted the same things. They wanted to have an awesome time. They both wanted God to touch them. And they both paid, you know, 150 bucks. So what was the difference between Peter and Joshua? Well, Peter was willing to pay a price, right? He said, even though it's going to be uncomfortable at times, I'm going to sacrifice so that I can go after what it is that I'm wanting. I'm willing to pay a price so that I can go after all that God has for me. Joshua said, if God wants to meet me, he can meet me right here. I don't want to give up anything. Two, two guys, almost identical situations, and they had completely different outcomes. Why? Because one was willing to pay a price. If you have your Bible, um, go with me to Matthew seven twenty four. If you could get that next slide up. Oh, that's so tiny. Forget that. Yeah. My bad, guys. I used a new app. But if you did bring your Bible, you can read along, or I'll just read it to you, okay? Matthew 7, verse 24. So, if you're there, just kind of raise your hand. Awesome, most of you. Cool. Okay, Matthew 7, 24. So this is Jesus talking, right? So obviously what I'm about to read is pretty important because, like, Jesus said it, right? Verse 24 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. What do we have? We have two guys. They both want to do what? Build a house. They both want to build a house. What's the only difference that Jesus gave between those two guys? Was it the materials that they used to build the house? Was it how much money they had? Was it anything like that? No, what was it? It was their foundation. 
It was what they built it on. Now, obviously, this is, this is a parable that Jesus is telling to illustrate a point, right? But how many of us know that this actually applies to us every day? I'm just kind of imagining, like, if this story to play out, were to play out in real life, and you have one guy, and he's like, okay, I need to build a house. He's like, well, first, I need a foundation. Obviously, everyone knows that. Um, what am I going to use? And he's like, well, I want my house to stand when hardships come. I don't want a house just for now, just to say I have a house. I want a house that's actually going to protect me, a house that's actually going to mean something, a house that my kids can live in, right? So he says, I'm going to build a foundation out of rock because rock is strong, and when a storm comes, my house is going to stay standing. And so he works all day long in the hot, 100-degree weather, 20% humidity, whatever. He's picking up rocks, right? He's got no shirt on. He's just sweating, and he's building his house, and he's picking it up. And he's, he's just so sweating, and he's, he's so tired, and he's just thinking, man, this is so worth it because when I finish building this house, it's actually going to last. Like, I'm not going to take shortcuts just so I have a house. That's not the point. The point isn't to have a house. The point is to be protected against danger, right? You guys tracking with me? And so he finally builds this house that took him so much time and energy. He had to say no to hanging out with some friends. He said, no, I can't watch the game today, guys. I actually have to keep picking up rocks. I got to build this foundation. And his friends are like, dude, just build it on sand. That's what we did. He's like, actually, I, I want something more stronger and long-lasting long than that. So he paid a price to make something. So when storms came, when a tornado came, a freaking F4, <laughs> relatable, the house stood. His family was safe. He didn't have to go build another house. He didn't have to be in constant anxiety. What if a storm comes? What if a storm comes? He was able to be in his house and have peace because he was willing to pay a price. And then this other guy, he's like, I just need a house. And you know what he did? He just picked a spot on the beach. He's like, wow, oceanfront property. And he just built his house. And guess what? Even before the storm came and demolished his house, which it did, he lived in constant anxiety that that storm would come. He didn't get to have peace even with the house while he had it because the whole time he was just worried about the shortcuts he took. Does that make sense to you guys? All of you guys have the same, you're all here, right? You're all sitting on gray chairs. But you have a choice to make starting tonight and carrying on through actually the rest of your life whether or not you're going to build on rock or whether or not you're going to build on sand. Are you willing to pay a price? Because if you, if you want to be successful in anything, and certainly if you want to go after all that God has for you, it's going to cost you something. And I would just say let it cost you something. Okay, point number two. Oh, thanks for putting that verse up. That's cool. Way better than what I did. <laughs> Can you go to the uh, slide two? Okay, slide two. Uh, build an economy of encouragement. This is something that has drastically changed my life in the last couple years. An economy of, of encouragement says that you believe that your words are powerful. How many of you know that your words are powerful? Like the thing, some of you aren't raising your hands, and that's fine, because some of you like actually don't know that the things you say matter. 
Some of you think that you can say whatever you want to, you can listen to whatever you want to, be around whoever you want to, and the words that are being said don't have an effect on you or anything else, but they actually do. What did God use to create the world? Words. Good job. Whose image are we made in? God's. If we are made in God's image and God created the universe by speaking things into existence, don't you think there's a small chance that the things we say actually matter? Yeah? That's an easy one. (laughs) Guess what? Guess what we get to do with those words? We get to be generous with them. We get to be generous. We get to encourage people. Can you go to the next slide? I have some verses. I'm just going to read through them real quick. First one is John 15, 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. What's one of the best ways to experience God's love? What? (laughs) I'm hearing some answers, but I can't quite make them out. Other people. Yeah. Another great way to experience God's love is when you hear his voice, right? When you hear his voice speak over you and he speaks love over you. And so we have been commanded to love other people the same way that God loves us. So guess what? Say that God has, God told you one day, and you, you just wake up and you feel encouraged. Like, you know what? I'm amazing. Like, I feel like God is saying, I'm amazing, and he has a hope and a plan and a future for me. And you look it up in the Bible, sure enough, it's there. Whoa, that was God. Guess what you get to do? You can soak in that and be like, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, God says I'm awesome, and that's true. But I want to challenge you this week to take a step further and say, hey, Noah, guess what? You're amazing. God has a plan and a future and a hope for you. I can tell you this because I know that God said it about me, and I'm saying it about you. And so I just want to encourage you with that, man. Guess what? Noah has heard the voice of the Lord. Right? He's been encouraged. And you never know. You never know what someone is going through on a day-to-day basis. Some of you guys are super uncomfortable to be here. Just being away from home and being away from your routine, it's not comfortable to you. How would it feel if you were just sitting there feeling really uncomfortable and all of a sudden someone came up, and let's use Noah again as an example. Say Noah was being really shy. You know how Noah is. And (laughs) say Noah just wasn't feeling good. He, He wasn't feeling on his A game. And someone came up. And said, Noah, you are amazing. I just wanted to let you know that even though you wish you were playing video games right now, God has something awesome for you today. Guess what? That's free. You can do that all the time. You can always encourage people. And here's the cool thing. The Bible says that you reap what you sow, right? So when you're out there and you're sowing encouragement, guess what? It it tends to come back to you. It's actually a principle. I um, I work in a restaurant. As one of my jobs, I'm a server, and I work with a lot of people who don't believe in, um, in God at all. And there's this um, one young lady named Sherry, and she, um, she has, m- like, made fun of, like, me for being a Christian. She makes fun of my church. She makes fun of all kinds of stuff, and she's doing it in a joking way, but she just for sure doesn't believe in God, and she's just really anti-church and Christians, right? So... And I have, I felt like God has told me since I've worked with her, I've worked with her for almost two years now. And almost every time I see her, I say something encouraging about her and she doesn't know what to do with it, right? Because she teases and makes fun of me. So it doesn't make sense that I would be encouraging to her, 
right? But actually, Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. When you choose to speak life over someone, even when they're speaking death over you, it changes things. Because love is actually stronger than death. And you have the opportunity that when things are going on around you, when you're, when you're sitting in the youth room and your friends start to gossip about Shelly, and then you stand up and say, you know what? I like Shelly. I think she's really cool. She's actually really good at drawing. She drew me something the other day, and it's, it's on my wall. It's incredible, actually. How awkward is it for everyone? Do you know why it's awkward? Because you just defeated hate with love. You, they were actually speaking death. Even though it felt harmless and it felt like it was just funny, they were actually speaking death. And when death is opposed with love, it's awkward. Right? An empty, an empty grave after three days, that's awkward for people. There's no answers for that. <clears throat> so I'm talking with Sherry one night, and uh, we were taking turns grabbing tables. So like if one... A group walks in, sit at a table. We would take turns being their server. So we'd rotate. And I was next on the rotation. And I just felt like God said, prophesy over which table is going to be sat and who's going to sit there. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, it's going to be this table, 192. It's going to be three people, a mom and dad and a daughter, and the daughter's going to be blonde. I was like, okay, we'll see if that happens. And God says, that's not enough. There are no witnesses. You haven't told anybody. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to tell anybody. This is weird. And God said, tell Sherry. So I was like, okay. I got out of my comfort zone, <laughs> walked over to Sherry, and I said, hey, guess what? She said, what? I said, you see table 192? She said, yeah. I said, I'm going to take that table. And she, she's like, okay. And I said, and it's going to be uh, three people who are sitting there, a mom, a dad, and a daughter, and the daughter is going to be blonde. And she goes, oh, how do you know? Did someone, like, call ahead and reserve? Because <laughs> you know how you give your hair color when you reserve a table. Um, but that's what she said. And I was like, no, I'm actually, um, I'm just guessing. So I said, I sound, I'm just um, predicting. She said, okay, whatever. I'm, uh, 20 minutes go by. I'm sitting there, like, polishing a glass or something. And in walks three people. Very clearly, a mom, a dad. And a girl, and she's blonde. And I just like, like, I'm just awestruck, right? And I, I look at them, and I see them, and they, they're looking around the room. And where to go? And they lock eyes on 192, and they go and sit down at 192. And my hand started to shake. Because I'm like, first of all, it's always awesome when God speaks to you that clearly and directly. But when there's, someone, there, when there's a witness, when there's, I'm like, oh, crap, it's about to go down. I'm about to tell Wait till Sherry sees this table. So I actually didn't get a chance to see her right away. I um, had to go to the table, and I greeted them, and I was really happy they were there. I was like, how are you guys doing? Welcome to Cattleman's, blah, blah, blah. And I saw it from the corner of my eye. I see Sherry walk by. She's carrying a tray, and she just freezes, like Roadrunner style. It's like, boing. Like. And she looks at me. She's like, and I see her. She just walks away. So I finished, like, taking their order. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to be cool about this, you know. I'm going to act like this isn't my first time to hear the voice of the Lord. <laughs> so uh, she goes into the back. After a few minutes, I felt peace about talking to her about it. And I said, hey, Sherry, what do you, what do you think about 192? Isn't that crazy? And she goes, yeah, you're really good at that. 
That's <laughs> what she said. I was like, yeah, I guess. I was like, you want to know how I did it? And she goes, yeah. And I said, will you be annoyed if I tell you? Because <laughs> at this point, she knows what's coming. She goes, maybe. I said, actually, Jesus told me that that's who was going to sit there that, and that they were going to sit at that exact table. Jesus actually told me. And she said, why would Jesus tell you something that random? And I said, that's a great question. I actually don't know. I said, usually it's for a bigger reason than just that thing. Um, and usually I, I know really soon after, but right now I actually don't know. I said, but I'll let you know if I, if I figure it out. She said, okay. I am not kidding. Ten minutes later, she comes back to me, and she goes, um, oh, my gosh, my head just really hurts. I have a crazy headache. It's been an excruciating pain all day, and no matter how much medicine I take, I cannot get rid of it. And, guys, I, I need to tell you that I am not a weird person, okay? I am not, like, the super spiritual guy who's like, and Israel shall be saved. And the, like, like, I'm not, like, a prophetic, like, whoa, like, mystic. But I could not be, like, there was so much faith in me built up that as soon as she said <laughs> that her head was hurting and no, no matter how much medicine she took, she couldn't get rid of it, I said, be healed in Jesus' name. I put my hand on her head and said, be healed in Jesus' name. And she goes, oh! And she's, like, offended. She goes, she said, you did not ask me to do that. And she just walks away. Now, you can get in a lot of trouble for doing something like that at your place of work. So I'm not telling you to do that at Chick-fil-A, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying you should. Yeah. I only say that because like 18 of you work there and Chick-fil-A actually employs the youth group, the official sponsor of NCF. But here's the thing. You don't have to and you probably shouldn't, but you can. You know what I mean? Like it's so much fun to just break the rules for Jesus because you know he's going to have your back, right? So I, I do that. And actually the, at this time, I did not know Jesus had my back. I actually felt weird. I was like, oh, I should not have done that. What came over you, Trey? That was weird. And um, so I uh, go home, and I'm feeling kind of dumb. And, but I was like, you know what? I know for sure that I heard the voice of God. So anything I did after that, like, I was just following his voice, right? And um, so I go back to work the next day, and Sherry comes up to me. And she says, I have something to tell you, but I really don't want to tell you. And I was like, okay. I said, is it something I did? She goes, yeah. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, uh, she goes, don't worry. It's, it's not bad. I just really don't want to tell you. And I said, okay. And then, like, five minutes goes by. She comes back. She's like, do you want to know? And I was like, yeah, I want to know, obviously. And she said, well, last night after you, like, put your hand on me, um, all the pain went away. And my head hasn't hurt. And I was like, that's awesome. Why wouldn't you want to tell me that? That's incredible. She said, I didn't want to tell you because I, I, uh, I don't want to believe. And I said, um, well, Sherry, I'm, I'm not trying to make you believe anything. I'm just really glad that your head got healed. And I said, and you know how yesterday when you asked why would God have, why would God tell me who was going to sit at that table? And it was so random. And I said, I didn't know. She's like, yeah, I remember that. That was the weirdest thing that happened in my whole day. How could I forget that? And I said, well, I think maybe the reason that God spoke to me in that way and had me show you is because he wanted to raise your level of faith for the miraculous. I said, you went to bed that night thinking that something you don't understand could actually happen right in front of you. She's like, yeah, that's true. 
I said, sometimes it takes one miracle to set us up for another one. And she said, you're right, that makes sense. And she walked away. And I, I tell that story not to show you guys how awesome and spiritual I am because I assure you that is, that was outside of my comfort zone, right? Like I'd like to say that I do that every day, but the truth is I don't. But when I feel the voice of God on it, then I, I go after it. And you guys have permission to do that this week with everything, with your words, with just encouragement, just walking up to someone and saying, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm not feeling good. Oh, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? You were really awesome at dodgeball last night. You kicked butt. Good job. How many of you guys can, so like, you can, you can encourage your friends. You can encourage your leaders who are pouring out their life for you. You can also encourage people who you don't like very much, people who don't like you. How many of you guys have ever been on the basketball court and things have gotten a little salty? You know what I mean? Like elbows are starting to get thrown and you don't like the way this guy looks at you and, and you, you know that it's starting to kind of escalate. You can feel it escalating. Like, if this guy looks at me again, I'm going to throw the basketball at his throat. Like, okay, I haven't thought that. One of you guys have, I think. I don't know. Being prophetic. How many of you guys have ever tried this? I, I just encourage you to try this. Sometime this week, if someone is getting on your nerves and they know they're doing it, I encourage you, I encourage you, I, I would challenge you to encourage them. Say, dude, nice shot. Dude, I like your shoes. A soft answer turns away wrath. And you guys have the Holy Spirit resting in you, and you have permission to speak life and speak encouragement. Um, it's also import, important to encourage yourself. Can you um, pull up that link for that video? I want to show you what encouraging yourself could look like. How awesome would your day be if you started it like that? It would be pretty great. You guys, because you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have permission to encourage yourself. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is there to encourage you. And he's there to help you. And also, this is a really cool resource for this week. The leaders, you can come up to any of us and ask us for encouragement. What? Crazy, right? If you guys are having a bad day or you're feeling insecure or you're feeling afraid or you're just not feeling it, I promise you, you walk up to any leader and just say, hey, I'm kind of bummed right now. I need some encouragement. It is our pleasure to encourage you, right? You absolutely, that is absolutely a resource that is available to you. How am I doing on time, Caleb? Good? Okay. I got one more point to make. Um, and this third one is say yes. So we have number one. For having a successful week is let it cost you something. Who can tell me what number two is? Awesome. Awesome. So number three is say yes. Say yes. So you guys have a chance this week. Like, Jesus is going to be doing all kinds of great things. Like, regardless of what happens, he's going to be in the room. 
and, you're, and he's going to ask you if you want to be a part of it, and you're going to have an opportunity to say yes. Okay, and a lot of times, the, what keeps us from saying yes is we're concerned about all the things we have to say no to, right? Some of us this week are going to be tempted to be like, I, I can't play video games this week. I can't watch TV. I'm going to get behind on my shows. I can't hang out with my non-church friends. I can't go do whatever I want. I can't stay up till 3 in the morning, right? No, no, no. These are all the things that I can't do. And we focus so much on that that it actually holds us back from enjoying everything that we get to experience because we said yes to Jesus, right? How many of you guys have ever thought about starting a, a diet or a workout plan? And I'm preaching to myself here. I know that I have done this. And you're thinking about starting this diet and your friends are like, yeah, my whole life has changed. Like, I lost 30 pounds, and, like, my acne went away, and I feel great all the time. I don't drink coffee anymore. And you're like, that's great. And how many of you guys ask this question right away? What can't you eat? And they're like, well, cheese. You're like, oh, man, I can't do that diet. I like cheese too much. Someone else says a diet. Oh, it's great. I'm jogging 13 miles a day. I'm in a better mood. You can't have bacon? Oh, man, get that diet out of my face, man. I got to have bacon. Because why? Because we're focused on the things that we have to say no to. You guys can eat bacon for the rest of your life and, you know, and not accomplish any of your health goals at all. And that's cool. You're comfortable. But why did you, why did you do that? Because you were scared to say no to bacon. Because you were scared to say no to a little extra time. Instead of focusing on I'm saying yes to a healthier body, right, to, to peace over my health, to just being more active. Like, this is a goal that I want, but I'm actually not going to do it because I'm too worried about the things I'm saying no to. I would encourage you guys this week to think about the things. I would just write, if you're taking notes, I want you to just write the word yes, and I want you to circle it. And throughout the week... Some of you might get a lot of them tonight, or while I'm talking, that's totally okay. I want you to think of things that you're saying yes to. Is it your prayer language? Is it uh, just an increase in your faith for seeing miracles? Is it more friends? What are the things you're saying yes to? And I want you to write those things down and draw an arrow pointing to your yes. And that's actually all I want you to focus on. I don't want you to draw one that says no, and it's like no video games, no this, no blah, 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 because that's not what we're focusing on, right? I want to tell you guys my favorite, aside from my salvation story, it's my favorite story of my life so far. And it was when I decided that I was going to ask Gabby to marry me. And I had fallen so in love with Gabby, and I was so pumped to ask her to spend the rest of my life with me, the rest of her life with me, and my life. Um... And so I started planning, right? I drove down to Napa all by myself. I looked at the different uh, vineyards. I looked at all the cool buildings and the mountains. And I took pictures with my camera. And I just daydreamed about the perfect plan for how I would ask Gabby to marry me. And I wanted it to be amazing, right? I put so much time into thinking about it. So I decided to propose on her birthday. And so I told her, babe, I have a surprise for you uh, for your birthday. Uh, we're going to go to this place, and I kept everything as uh, much of a surprise as I could. We get in the car, we go down to Napa, and we're hanging out, just looking at stores, and having a really good time. And one of her favorite things to do is to roller skate, or to rollerblade. And so I had surprised her, and I had brought her rollerblades with us, and I had gone to a thrift shop and bought my own rollerblades, 
and uh, some rollerblades for our friends who were with us. And she closed her eyes and held out her hands, and I put a p- her pair of rollerblades in there. And I said, we're going to rollerblade through Napa. And she was really excited, like, best birthday surprise ever, right? Yeah. So we start rollerblading down this trail, and we go down this road that I had perfectly, like, mapped out. And I had a photographer waiting in the bushes about 200 yards ahead. And we're skating, we're skating, we're skating. And I had told my friends, I'm going to fall, and I need you to keep skating no matter what. So we're skating down this road, and I fall, and I hit my knees like this. But Gabby's in front of me, so she doesn't see that I just, like, very gently went to my knees. And I go, ow, oh, my gosh, my shoulder. And so Gabby, because she loves me, she stopped. Barely. Bar- Let's be real. She, did, she thought about not stopping. She was like, I might keep going. You're being a wuss. But luckily, which would have made this story way worse. But she stopped. She turned around, and she came back to me. Will you show the first picture? And she said, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? I was like, oh, yeah, I just kind of hurt my shoulder. And because uh, she knows that I had, I had had shoulder problems at the time. And so she's making sure I'm okay. And so play, show the next picture. And she, I say, come here. And she bends down. And I say, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And then she's like, wait, what? And we show the next picture. And then I got up on one knee and pulled out the ring that I had saved for. And I asked her to marry me and spend the rest of my life with, her, with me. Why did I butcher that phrase? Holy cow. I asked her to spend the rest of her life with me. And I'm sitting there on one knee, and we have friends who are taking pictures, and they're watching. And it feels like the entire world is watching. And I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys have proposed. Probably the majority of you haven't. But it's a pretty vulnerable, (laughs) it's a pretty vulnerable position, right? Because you're on one knee in front of the woman you love, and you're asking him a question that's going to change the rest of your life forever. What's the one thing I wanted Gabby to say in that moment? All I wanted her to say was yes. Here's what I didn't want her to say. Here's what I did not care about. I didn't want her to go, I'm not going to marry Johnny. Well, I'm not going to marry Matthew. I'm not going to marry David. I just wanted her to say yes to marrying me. And since then, do you guys think that I walk around looking at girls going, can't marry her, (sighs) can't marry her, can't propose to her. Do you guys think I think about that at all? No, what am I thinking about? I can't wait to marry Gabby. I'm so excited. I'm so glad she said yes, and I'm saying yes back, and I'm going to pursue her for the rest of my life. I'm so excited. Yes. I want to let you guys know that actually Jesus has a proposition for you. And he, too, had to be in a very vulnerable position. It was called dying on the cross. He was naked. It felt like the whole world was watching. And all he wants you to do is say yes. He just wants you to say yes to spending the rest of your life with him. And so this week, I want to challenge you not to worry about the things that you're saying no to. Yeah, you're going to be saying no to things inherently. If you say yes to something, inevitably, there's things you can't do. But if you focus on Jesus and saying yes to him, you say, yes, it's going to cost me something and I don't care. Yes, I will encourage. Yes, I will get out of my comfort zone. Yes, I will pray for people. Yes, I will receive prayer and encouragement. And yes, I will encourage. 
I will step out. Yes, I will. Yes, I will, Jesus. I promise you, you will have the best week of camp you've ever had, and you will have so much success in your relationships down the road. I want to ask if the ministry team can come up. get some some music on that would be awesome some of you guys have already said yes to Jesus this much you said yes Jesus I want to receive eternal life I want you to be in my heart I want to live for you and you said yes that much but you know you know that there is something else, another question Jesus has been asking you, he's put on your heart, and he said, will you give this to me? Will you trust me in this way? Will you follow me in this way? And you know he's just waiting on you to say yes. You know that the question's out there. And some of you need to say yes, but you also need to say yes with somebody, with a leader. That way you have accountability and that way you're making it public. And some of you guys, here's, here's what some of you are thinking right now. I, I almost guarantee 100% that there are people in here who are thinking something almost exactly like this. I want to say yes to giving up porn. I want to say yes to not gossiping anymore. I want to say yes to stopping suicidal thoughts. But I'm so afraid of what they're going to think of me. And I just want to let you guys know that this is a moment that you have to let it cost you something to come up here. It's not the most comfortable thing to get out of your chair and go approach someone and tell them what you're going after. That's not comfortable, right? But we're not, we're not here. You didn't come to camp so you could be comfortable, right? You didn't come to camp so you could just sit there in that gray chair. You came to camp so you could be transformed by the renewing love of God. So I just want to challenge you guys to let it cost you something to come up here. Then there's another group of you who you've actually never said yes to Jesus being your Lord and Savior. You, you've grown up in church maybe. You've gone to church. You're at camp. You like Jesus. You like singing the songs. But you've actually never personally said Jesus, I receive your free gift of salvation, and I want to say yes to you for the rest of my life, and I want you to be my God. Jesus, you are my king. Some of you need to say yes to that. And if that is you, I definitely want you to come up and, and grab one of these guys. And one of us is going to pray for you wherever you are. Whatever you, your yes looks like, Jesus is wanting to meet that tonight. So I'm going to invite you guys to come on up.